The reading is Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized Jesus... They sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all who were ill to him and begged to him to let those who were ill just touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, folks. Uh, it's nice to be with you. Um, why don't we pray as we've just um, uh, sung or heard sung. Uh, uh, that we might have the Spirit's help. So let's do that together, shall we? Father, we do thank you that we can be together today. We pray for your uh, Spirit of your Son to help us to understand you, to understand ourselves better uh, in the light of you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we are um, working our way through this um, series in Matthew, and we come to the next part um, of it, and this particular story of Jesus um, walking on the water. Um, I was um, uh, recently, not too long ago, talking with the uh, leader of a charitable organization um, who had a kind of chief executive kind of role um, and uh, had not too long arrived in post, getting to know the lie of the land. And one of his, um, uh, the, the existing staff that were there, um, who'd kind of come over, um, had put something in his diary um, for him. Um, and then she'd rung to double-check, um, having done that, and, and, and phoned him to double-check. Um, and he was a bit surprised, and he said, oh, no, that was, that was fine for you to do that. No problem. Um, and she said, oh, I was worried that I would get it wrong and that you would shout at me. And immediately he had an insight into the culture, the, the kind of atmosphere um, uh, of where he was. And from her experience, she had very little sense that uh, she wouldn't be turned on 
if there was a problem or something that was about to go wrong. Now, for those of you who lead others, whether that's uh, in, uh, in organizations or in other spheres, whether that's whole departments or uh, businesses or whatever it might be, I wonder what people think of you, what they think of us uh, who lead others, particularly uh, if things are going to go wrong or are about to. What is their sense of what will happen? Uh, teenagers, pathfinders, platformers here, I wonder uh, which uh, teachers you feel you could go to if you sense things are going to go wrong at some point. Um, I kind of want to ask as well which parents you might feel that you can go to uh, if things are going to go wrong. But maybe I should put it this way. If you are a parent here, uh, I wonder which of our children feel they could come to us if things are about to go wrong. Uh, this passage today um, is, in lots of ways, um, it's a story, as we were teeing up earlier on, it's a story about um, failure in lots of ways. Uh, we're going to look at it uh, together. I'm going to take us through the whole story um, to begin with. Um, we might give it this title of um, Two Men and a Boat. Um, it's, uh, it's really that's the, the, the story. We could, we could take the whole story and give it that title. Um, we've been uh, looking at these responses of faith, and this one is an interesting response of Peter's, uh, and in lots of ways a story of failure, uh, but also it raises the question, well, what happens then? What happens when this happens? Um, but first of all, we're going to set the scene, and we're going to pick up events from where they were, which was a couple of weeks ago for us when we were looking at the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it in two sort of chunks, and then we'll draw some thoughts together at the end. But those are, we'll look at it around Jesus, first of all, and then Peter, and we'll follow their stories. So firstly, Jesus. Now, Jesus just can't seem to catch a break, as far as I can see, okay? Jesus has, um, we begin the story, if I can read these verses um, back to you, uh, verse 22, if you're following. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boats and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up to a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And Jesus immediately said to them, "'Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid.'" Now, Jesus had planned to go off by himself to pray. Um, and so he, what we, he, we're told he made the disciples leave him. Now, made is quite a strong word. So it was kind of, go on, guys, it's time to go. He was trying to get some time on his own. So he was instructing them to go. He dismissed the crowd. He wanted to withdraw. And he was still looking to do what he had planned to do before the feeding of the 5,000. So he had, his plan had been to, uh, back then to try and get some time alone, which was in response, if you remember, to a growing reputation that he was getting. Do you remember that Herod had heard that he was now performing these miracles? Uh, the news was out there, and this growing reputation was happening, and there was a mood to make him king. Tim talked about this a couple of weeks ago and talked about the, the, the sort of atmosphere he um, pointed out in John's Gospel. We, we learned that at the time, there was a sense in which they were thinking, Jesus, we, we could make you king now. You could deal with the Romans for us here and now. 
And in response to that, Jesus was trying to get some time um, away to pray. So it seems in lots of ways, Jesus can't seem to catch a break. Uh, whether it's the um, uh, crowd that appears and needs to be fed, or whether it's now the disciples facing a storm, you know, it might be that you know that feeling of uh, you're just trying to get some time on your own, and then this happens, and then that happens, and then this happens, and that happens, and you can never seem to catch a break. Well, Jesus, is, Jesus empathizes with you, I think. And so Jesus responds to what he's seeing um, with them in the boat, and he comes to them. So it's not a miracle for its own sake. He's responding to what is happening before him. And it's key to note that when he does, they are afraid. But they are afraid of seeing him on the water, more, it seems, than they are even of the storm itself, of the winds and the waves. And when he does appear to them on the water, we get glimpses of who Jesus really is. We get glimpses of his power. Now, this was, uh, Pete talked about this a little bit um, just as we were going uh, through um, uh, earlier on. A couple of things we see. Firstly is him walking on the water gives us an, an insight into quite how powerful he is. The sea for um, the ancient people of God was a, was a symbol of chaos, of uncertainty, something that you couldn't control. And uh, it, it symbolized that, it, it represented that for them. And there's that, uh, Pete talked about the Old Testament, um, uh, the book of Job. And so Jesus, we're seeing a sort of illusion that reaches back into the Old Testament. It was only God's who could trample the waves, who could control the seas. So when Jesus walks on the water in this way, it's sort of reaching back and telling us something of his power, his God-like power. But then he also says to them, it is I. And this also reaches right back into the Old Testament. You might perhaps remember when God uh, encounters, uh, when Moses encounters God, when they meet, God says to Moses, when he asks him, who are you? He says, I am. I am who I am. And it's these words, it is I. So when Jesus says these uh, again, it's a reference that links him back to God revealing who he is. Now, to be honest with you, though, you're probably, you might be sitting there thinking, well, these are, they're, okay, they're pretty subtle uh, references. It's not as though Jesus is wearing a T-shirt that's explaining everything. And I think that's part of the point. They are, in lots of ways, they are veiled. And he wasn't necessarily planning to do this miracle, as we've seen. But they are there if you want to search for them. And they're a bit like the parables. As we hold, we've been looking at this section together, and we've often said that the, the parables and what comes after, they're, they're linked in different ways. And a bit like the parables, and when we looked at those, and we, we talked about how parables work, and that actually they, they encourage us to look further into things. And it's a bit like that here with Jesus, that actually, if you're interested in what's going on here, well, I guess you will ask more. You'll say, well, well what does that mean, and why are you doing that? But if you're not, it'll just go over your heads. So it works a little bit like that. They are veiled in a way. But perhaps it's just worth noting as we kind of just at uh, this moment, particularly if you're um, skeptical about Christianity, or maybe just looking into it at the moment, it's just worth noting that this is what Jesus was doing. He was, he was focused on trying to get some time to pray. 
We get a picture of Jesus and all of his power, but in set alongside that, he was trying to withdraw. When all the pressure was on him to actually exercise that power, and people must have been saying to him, come on, Jesus, this is your time now. It's your time. You can, you can take this on. This, this could be you. Actually, he says, no, I, I need to be with my father. I need to be relating to him. Which is interesting. If you are skeptical about Christianity, or you're particularly if you're unsure about religious leaders, and why wouldn't you be these days, look for somebody who holds power lightly. Look for somebody who holds power lightly. Jesus is actually focused on a right sense of humility at this point. What he wants to do is come before his Father and pray. Now, we all have to follow people in power of one sort or another. This week has been full of political comment and debate and discussion about leaders that we have and their attitudes to power and how they hold and exercise the power that they have over us. We all have to follow somebody, but look for somebody who holds power lightly, humbly. It's interesting Jesus is doing that. Now, that's the, the opening part of Matthew's uh, account here, and then uh, that takes us on to the second part of the story, and it takes us to the character of Peter. And Peter is um, fascinating. And so we might call this bit of the story um, Peter um, not waving but drowning. Peter, not waving but drowning. Now, this actually is a line from a, a famous poem by a poet called um, Stevie Smith. She was a, uh, a poet, um, and she wrote it oh, a good few years ago now. Um, it's the kind of poem you might have studied at A-level or GCSE, perhaps, if you did English. Um, and it's a, it talks about uh, somebody who's out in the water, and everyone thinks they're fine, and they think they're waving, but actually they're not waving but drowning. And it's an interesting poem. Um, and what happens, this is what happens. Um, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, Peter is making quite a bold move here. You know, if you know Peter's character, he seems that kind of guy. He's like, sort of get, you know, get out of the front of the boat. Yes, I'm here, Jesus. Uh, let's do this walking on water thing. And when he says, if it's you, actually, the, the, the phrase is really, since it's you, let me join you. I'm here. Let's do this. Um, and so he gets out into the water. Jesus says, yeah, okay, come. Um, and then Peter begins to see the wind and the, and the waves and, and sees what's going on around him and then starts to sink. Uh, and down he goes and panics and he's flailing around, cries out, save me. And Jesus does this. Um, and his words get to the heart of things, don't they? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And then, of course, you, uh, he, they sort of get back in the boat. Uh, the winds then die down, and we're told that they worship him. They, they call him the Son of God. Now, it's just worth noting, it's worth just um, remembering that the disciples in, in Matthew, as he tells the story, the disciples only ever understand Jesus gradually. Um, so this doesn't necessarily mean when they say, you're the Son of God, it doesn't mean perhaps what we would say now about God as Trinity. It doesn't necessarily even mean as much as they would know after the resurrection. But they are making progress, and they are beginning to understand something. So Pete, Jesus and Peter, now what is he doing? Putting the, Matthew's doing something really interesting. He puts them side by side for us. 
And you might represent it like this, just to, to compare the two. You've got Jesus who holds humble power, and you've got Peter who is powerfully humbled. And he sets the two side by side. And it opens up for us a really great question about faith and faith responses. Uh, about faith and faith responses. And I think the question is this, why? Why is Jesus worth following? Why is he worth following? Peter is such an interesting um, character um, in this um, episode. Peter has faith enough to get out of the boat, but not enough faith to withstand the storm. Faith enough to get out of the boat, but not enough faith to withstand the storm. Um, and I suggested that you, we have to hold all this in context to these chapters. And we're given living examples of, the, uh, of what we'd seen in the parables. And I'm really struck by how much Peter illustrates some of the early soils in the parable of the soils, the sower. Do you remember we had that uh, right at the beginning? Um, and the kind of soil where the seed would fall and it would seem to grow up really quickly um, and then something would happen and it would be choked or withered and it would die away quickly and, and it would seem to go nowhere. And Peter seems just like that. It's kind of ter- tremendous bold start. Here I am, let's go. And then down into the water. Enough faith to get out of the boat, but not enough to withstand the storm. And he's got his mind split between Jesus and the storm. It's part of what it means to, to doubt here, is to be kind of double-minded or split in your thinking. And he, he's split between Jesus and looking at him and then the circumstances that are around him, the reality of the storm. But notice in the midst of that... Peter does cry out. He says, Lord, save me. And Jesus does. Despite his lack of faith, despite what happens, Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him and pulls him up. And we have to imagine he hauls this great guy out back into the boat. Presumably Peter is dripping wet. Um, Who knows what they talked about as they get into the boat. Peter soaked through. Now, why is this episode so valuable? I think because this question, why is Jesus worth following? If you, we all have to put our faith in someone or something. And if you're going to put your faith in someone, put your faith in someone who can handle the mess we make of faith. Put your faith in someone who can handle the mess we make of faith. People often ask, is Peter a good example of faith or a bad example of faith? And he's both. Realistically so. We all are. I can't think how often I've thought to myself, Paul, do you know, is your, gosh, is your faith so flimsy? Is it just, is it so, is it so light? How, have you forgotten God again? How do you forget God so easily? You might be sitting there thinking, and you, Paul, a vicar? Yes. The point is, Can the person you are following cope with that? And Jesus can. Jesus can. It's really important to see this in in the context of Matthew and where we are. And this is going to be the first of three episodes that really focus in on Peter. And uh, they are, um, his faith is just completely up and down. Got some, you know, great highs and some real lows. And there are, there are three episodes that Matthew focuses on, and it's just, it's all over the shop. And Jesus 
can handle that. And some of us may feel that we are going through the storm right now. And I know some of you are, some of the things that you're facing. And so often the storm highlights and reveals the realities of faith. It's not necessarily that things are, uh, are that different. It just reveals, it shows, it exposes actually the nature of the faith that we have underneath. And it's the storm that makes those clear, that we are a mixed bag, that we are a bit of a mess. But the most reassuring thing, the thing to know, is to know that Jesus knows that already. He's not panicked by it. He has the ability to come to us in the storm. Actually, that's what he did right at the beginning. He came to them in the midst of it, in the midst of their flailing and our, their sinking, our, our frailty, the limits of our faith, the weakness of it. Jesus, Jesus is worth following because he can cope with that. And they get into the boats, and they call him the Son of God, and I wonder if Jesus smiles at them and thinks, you know, you don't even know what you're saying yet, really. You don't even know truly quite what you mean. But you will one day. And in many ways, the, the final part of the story is just as reassuring. There's just a little epilogue that comes right at the end uh, when they get to the other side and the people recognize Jesus um, and they send um, word to the surrounding countryside. Actually, Jesus kind of collects the disciples up. They move on and the work continues. And so the people who were ill came to him and they begged to touch him and they wanted to touch the edge of his cloak and they were healed. But you see, Jesus hasn't turned around and fired the disciples. Actually, they've collected up, they carry on, Jesus takes them forwards. Into the boat we go, let's keep going. Who are you following in this life? We do all have to follow someone or something. And I think the key question might be, the key question I suspect we often have is, well, what if they let me down? But really, I think the question to ask is, what happens when I let them down? Do they cast you aside? Are they done with you? Jesus doesn't do that. 